Hello, and welcome to Faith Facts with Father Howard. I'm Lindsay here with Father Howard, and on today's episode, we are talking about faithful citizenship. So let's get started. Hey, Lindsay, uh, it's good to be back with you after a little bit of a hiatus there for a minute. Uh, But we're talking about something really today that's very, I think, very, very important. Obviously, as we approach in the in election time, and I know that that uh, there are those folks that have probably already voted. I mean, mail-in ballots are are, are really uh, in huge numbers this time around. But there are stu- two million people already wow. voted across There's, the country. Wow, I still a lot of folks that that need to vote. It's true. And and hopefully, what this will help people to do, particularly from the the Catholic uh, community. It will help them to take a look at, you know, why they vote the way they vote, how they vote, and and how they they help to put together a a, a solid reasoning for voting the way they do. And forming consciences for faithful citizenship from the bishops really does have a lot to offer us when it comes down to, you know, helping to think through the issues, uh, investigate a bit, and, and really thoughtfully and prayerfully uh, think about, you know, voting and and what that means. Before we really get to that part, though, uh, this is really such an important topic. Uh, I think it's important for us to recognize that as Catholics, and in light of our faith and what our faith asks of us, that to vote and to participate in the the body politic, you know, is one civil, not only one civil duty, is that we would say it's a moral obligation for a Catholic to somehow participate. It's not that they're going to run for office or anything like that, but this is such an important part of how we help to shape and form a, a society, a culture. Not that we're trying to create a Catholic culture. Uh, that's, that's not the point of this whatsoever. It's about looking at what we would call those moral absolutes, those those moral foundational pieces that that we as a faith tradition would say that these these belong to everybody. These are not just ours. These belong to everyone. And the better that we are able to help people grow in an understanding of those and, and to hopefully embrace those by first and foremost living it, proclaiming it, making it make sense as opposed to somehow uh, a, 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 you know, a strange way of living and saying, no, this isn't a strange way of living. It's, it's recognizing that this is a way of living that can bring a sense of joy, a sense of hope, and can help us to live together well. One of the things that it's, it's interesting when you look at the, we had just done the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And one of the, the graces that the scriptures offered and, and the early Christian community offered was the fact that they showed the people around them a different way to live. A way to live that, that had something to offer that the culture of the time simply didn't offer them. A way of looking at the world. A way of looking at, you know, governing. A way of looking at, you know, the values that, that a, a society or a culture or a community would hold. These were the things that had so much to offer that it wasn't because they were necessarily the best people in the world. It was recognizing that people looked from the outside of this group and said, wow, they've got something that I want. 
They've got something that, that I see as a real value. I want to live like that. I want to experience that. And so when you think about what we do by electing officials, particularly in an election year that where we elect a president or we elect you know, uh, some key legislative personnel, that these people and, and, such, and, and what they espouse or, or what they work toward can really make a difference in helping to build a better world, a better country, a better, a better city, in uh, all of those different things. So it's not a matter of somehow you know, wanting to create someone in our image. It's about offering them something that we believe will say to them, this will help to make whatever you create this will help to make it better. So this is a terribly, terribly important year. <clears throat> and it has an awful lot to offer when you start to think about what we, uh, what we try to do, particularly when, when, we're, when we try to elect new officials. And I just want to throw in, we're not going to tell you who to vote for. No, no. And we're not going to tell you what party to vote for because that is not our place as the church. Well, exactly. It's not. It's not only not our place. It's not legal. Right. I, I mean, there are, there are a, a lot of legal issues that surround that too. But, but you're right. You know, it, it's not our place to say to somebody, you have to do this. Again, that would be trying to create something in our own image. Because depending upon who you are, a person would look at any of the issues that we will talk about in a little bit. A person could look at that, look at that list of issues and saying, this is how I would prioritize them. The next person would say, well, I wouldn't do that. This is how I would prioritize them. It would, it would make a difference whether, depending upon the economic bracket you might be in, the ethnic bracket, the, you know, all sorts of things come into play here that really would help one or help to determine how the list of priorities you know, it would, would be put together and how a person may or may not vote. And so uh, you're right. This is not about telling people what to do. This is about offering people something that we believe will help them make a wise choice. It's like when we were talking about coming back to mass. Exactly. Just helping you make a choice that you are comfortable with. Exactly. And and, and it may be a hard choice. It, it And it may be a... It may be information that really challenges you or challenges the presumptions that you make, whether it comes to, you know, your church practice or when it comes to what kind of culture do you want to live in? And, and what have we created up to this point? Is it what you want? And, and how do we help to change it? And, 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 you know, what are those things that need to be done in order to help us to move forward and, and to discover, as I would always say, to discover what God has yet in store? So when we think about what we're doing here, this goes beyond any particular label that a person may go, may go by. Whether someone declares themselves Republican or, or Democrat or Independent or, or just nobody, is that this can help to have them look at the issues very seriously and then decide again what they choose to do. I think that to me, the only bad choice that a person could make is not being involved at all. Simply saying, 
doesn't make a difference whatsoever. That to me is not being responsible, is not really being moral at all. Because again, our faith states that we have a responsibility and obligation to become part of this in order to, to help create that world, that kingdom that is yet to be completed. And, and ultimately, once again, it's not in the Catholic image. It is in the image of God. And, and I think that's where we have to focus our energy. Plus, I think it's <clears throat> awesome to remember that we are so lucky to be able to take part oh. in elections like we do where there's countries all over the world that wish they could do stuff like this, people in those countries. So just in that, we shouldn't throw away our chance to to vote. Absolutely. And when you think about it also is that there are plenty of places in the world where to practice you know, one's uh, right to vote could easily cost you your life. I mean, you know, to be... You look at the, this as a privilege, and, and unfortunately, um, it's, it's, it can be tossed aside very flippantly or, or with disregard. And there are people around the world that risk their lives in order to vote. And, and even then, the systems sometimes are so corrupt, whether those votes ever get where they need to be is a question. But nonetheless, the fact is they take it very seriously and, and they, they do so sometimes at, at great peril to their own lives. So it is important that we, we look at this from a couple of different vantage points and, and look at what we are able to do and what is really a, really a dream by a lot of folks if they could only mm-hmm. do that, if they could only do that. Enough sermonizing. <laughs> so, so we're going to be taking a look at a document, right? Or you're correct. kind of basing it off a document. Correct. Basing it off the document written by the bishops. and uh, But also some of my own reflection, you know, just, again, to help people look at things. Uh, because sometimes w- we can look at things in such black and white terms that we forget that our church you know, when it comes to the conscience, forming of one's conscience, uh, our church really believes that that really is ultimately a conversation between an individual and their God. Now, we believe that it also must be a well-formed conscience, which means a person does their homework. You know, forming a conscience, and we'll look at that a little bit more, is that is not simply what makes me feel good what makes me feel all fuzzy and warm inside. It's not simply an opinion. It is based on some, again, foundational pieces that we say apply to every human being in in the world. Mm -hmm. And we would even say in the universe. It applies to everybody. No matter what religion, no matter what background, no matter what culture, that there are some things that are so basic that it it's, has to be applied across the board. And, and yet, even having said that, it's realizing that, you know, it's, it's finding a, sometimes a fine balance because there are times when you may find candidates, no matter who it is, is that you may find candidates, no candidate meets the standards that we would be looking for. None of them. And some may be a little more than others. But if we were to say, you know, these things are absolute and everybody must follow them, we couldn't vote. 
mm-hmm. you know. So in the church doesn't ask us not to vote. The church says in those circumstances, let's sort this through. Let's do our homework. Let's prayerfully discern and then make a choice, trusting that ultimately, you know, the rest has to be left in the hands of God and the mysterious ways that God functions. Here's a quote from Pope Francis on the USCCB website. We need to participate for the common good. Sometimes we hear a good Catholic is not interested in politics. This is not true. Good Catholics immerse themselves in politics by offering the best of themselves so that the leader can govern. There you go. Yeah, very true. I mean, there's a lot of wisdom there. There's a lot of wisdom there. That good good Catholics, if you want to talk about good Catholics, good Catholics get involved. Good Catholics get involved. Because it's part and parcel of who we are. Mm. It's part and parcel of what it means to embrace the gospel message. It's part and parcel of being, you know, in the world but not of the world. And saying that this this project, kingdom project, you might say in a manner of speaking, is yet to be completed. And it's not just God coming down with his finger and magically, poof, everything is fine. It's, it's the hand of God working through his people. It's the hand of God. And, and by his people, I mean all people are his people. But particularly those who embrace the way of Jesus that there is, a, there is an obligation that they have in order to help make the kingdom happen, in order to bring it to fulfillment. So we have a, we have a lot of work to do. <laughs> um, and then the, so the document that you're looking at is Forming Consciences, that's correct. a tough word, for Faithful Citizenship. That's and correct. if anyone at home wants to read it, it's on the USCCB website, which is the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, usccb.org. And it's, there's a splash on their homepage. You can click that, and you, you'll be able to read all all that you want. Yes, and and there there is a lot of good information there. There is a lot. There are a lot of good resources. Uh, they really do hit major the major topics, and and so it it is well worth a person's while, Catholic or not. You know, it's well worth a person's time and energy. And it's not a long document as far as that goes. Uh, but this has a lot for us, no matter who you are, to think about. You know, no matter what background you come from, what religious background, what ethnic background, whatever, is that there are issues, topics, things for people to really to really ponder and to think about. And, and part of this is, is the fact that there are a lot of important issues that we have to be concerned about when it comes to our nation, when it comes to the world. You have issues that deal with life. Just, you know, the value, the importance of life itself, uh, protecting life from, you know, uh, particularly when it comes to the, uh, the most vulnerable from, from conception to, you know, natural end of life. It's about the earth. You know, the earth doesn't need us. We need the earth. You know, and, and it's, it's how do we treat that? That's, that's not only, a, a, you know, the uh, issue concerning climate and such. It's a life issue. And, and so it look, needs to be looked at. Immigration is a terribly important issue. Racism, as we find, 
is a terribly important. These are all important issues that are brought out in these in in this uh, article that help us to to think through who do we want to vote for, not only for presidency but but the other leadership, local leadership, um, is that one person. One one person isn't the difference between whether something necessarily, ha- excuse me, happens the way we want or not. Excuse me. Um, you know, a person can make a difference, but it's bigger than one person. And so we have to think also in regard to, you know, the other branches of, of, um, of, of the body politic. And depending upon, you know, who you speak to will make a difference as to how they will prioritize that issue. Because there are those who will say, sometimes religious leaders, there is only one issue that you have to take into consideration. That's their opinion, yes, and and, and they have a you know a right to a voice that. But depending upon who you are and others of their same ilk or whatever, is that may look at that very differently. And so it's it's being able, that's why we have to do our homework and think about this and, and prayerfully consider. It's also why, one of the key reasons why we had talked a bit about before, that we're not there to convince somebody to be Democrat or Republican. And it is terribly important that we don't do that because, again, part of, the, part of what Jesus did, when you look at the gospel message, Jesus did not align himself with either the Roman government, nor did he align himself with the revolutionaries, nor did he align himself with the the leadership of the temple, is that he spoke the message of the Father. And because he spoke that message, he was outside all of those, those camps, you might say. And he was able to legitimately critique those camps whether it was the Roman government, which he did so, whether it was the Sanhedrin, he did so, whether it was the revolutionary, he did so. And so we as a church, if we are to maintain a status of objectivity, of being able to critique, whether it's the independent, the Republican, the Democrat, or whatever name we go by, we have to make sure that from the gospel vantage point, that we are able to stand outside a bit and say, wait a minute here, based on our thoughts, our processes, our reflection, our prayer, our 2,000 years of existence, this is not a good idea. Here is why. That is a good idea. Here is why. This has got a moral flaw in it. Here is why. And we are able to critique But if we are identified with a political party, Republican, Democrat, or Independent, or anyone else, then we're written off because we've already, in a sense, shown our hand. We've already, in a sense, now a person may have a leaning. Okay, that big hairy deal. Um, It's that it's it's important for us to be able to stand, you know, in in some ways, an objective place. And saying, I critique this not on my 
political want, need, or desire, or penchant. Not on my, you know, how this is going to make me more money. Not how this is going to get me what I want. I critique this on moral moral standings on a on a foundation that I believe is nothing less than connected with God himself. And, and when you can come it from that way, then you have a voice that people need to hear and a voice then that isn't going to necessarily be written off. And my fear at times is that by the way we speak or how we think at times is that we are simply identified with one party or the other. And we then are considered as having nothing to say. One of the, again, one of the great gifts that we have brought throughout history has been our gospel vantage point, not what political party or what side we belong to. I think we forget that piece to our own detriment, to the voice that I believe we have that needs to be heard. And so, you know, again, there are so many issues here, so many um, uh, powerful issues that what we are asking of people is not to vote this way or this way, but to step back, think about the issues, take them all into consideration as much as you can, as well as you can. Do your homework. Prayerfully consider how how the Lord may be speaking. Listen to what the bishops have to say. Listen to what your pastor has to say. Listen to what your your newspaper maybe have to say. Newspaper. Yeah, it's not all. Well, I do. (laughs) It's not all fake news. Listen to what credible, credible news outlets have to say. Look at both sides. I always encourage people, don't only listen to people that agree with you. That's of no value, mm-hmm. you know, because you can find a group that will virtually agree with virtually anything whatsoever. But listen to both sides of it. Allow the sides to be critiqued, pro-con, even though you may just drive you crazy. And there are certain commentators that drive me crazy. But I need to listen in order to make what I believe is a well-formed conscience and then to vote accordingly. Um, that and that's not that's not always easy to do. Um, so it, it's prayerfully considering, you know, who we will vote for and why. It's uh, and again, it has nothing to do with being red, blue, green, purple, or orange. It has everything to do with uh, with being wise. Uh, you know, and, and and it's also it's being able to reflect on the needs of those outside our, ourselves. To look at it from the bigger picture, I may want something that a particular candidate really, really advocates. I might really, really want it, but I gotta look at something bigger than whether it's what I want or not. Either whether I think that it's, it's absolutely essential or not. I have to look at the bigger picture. And it's Pope Francis in Laudato Si says, to be willing to place the need of others first. That's not easy to do. And yet, if we are truly voting, you know, as we ought to, it's being able to look at that and look at the bigger issues. The um, um, moving, you know, moving along here at the snail's pace. <laughs> I'm just noticing how much time has passed. Um, you know, again, as I mentioned, we're, we're called to 
uh, participate in public life. Okay, basic, basic call. Um, it's a moral imperative. Um, Pope Francis again says that authentic faith, authentic faith involves the desire to change the world. And he said that in Evangelii Gaudium. Uh, authentic faith, faith involves a desire to change the world. How do we do that? Is that he would say, love compels us to go into the world and proclaim the good news. Compels us. Um, part of this pertains to our engagement in the political life. It's not just about, you know, preaching love one another. That's an important part. But we also need to be involved. We need to be involved in, in lots of different levels. And part of being involved is, is really to form our conscience well so that whatever we decide to do, it's an opportunity for us to really believe that by doing so, we will help to bring about effective change. We will help to make that, that um, uh, world better. Now, forming, uh, forming a good conscience is really um, consists of some key principles. And, and those principles are, are really rooted in uh, Catholic social doctrine. Uh, principles, and we'll talk a little bit about them, but just to name them, um, principles are the dignity of, of the human life of the human person. No exceptions, no conditions. No exceptions, no conditions. Everyone. You know, is that too often we we will center only on one aspect of that. And it's like, no, no exceptions, no conditions. The dignity of the human person, human life, from beginning to natural end. Uh, that's, that's one of the basic ones. The common good. This isn't just about us and what I want, me, me, me. It's about the common good. It's about all people. Uh, subsidiarity. That though there is a place for the for federal government, let's say, is that that federal government, though, does not have the right, the moral right, to somehow make the decisions, you know, for the individual family. That there's a limit to what they can do. And subsidiarity, you know, basically means is that, that at the lowest levels, you might say, that they have a right to make decisions to be self-determining to a point. Is that, um, again, federal government, state government, they all have their place. But they can't take the place, you know, of, of, the, of the individual and saying we're going to rule. You know, that's dictatorship. And that, that we, that's not what we're talking about. And the other thing is solidarity, that, you know, we're talking about the fact that we're all part of the human race. We need... We need to be concerned about each other, no matter where we're from, no matter what language we speak, no matter how rich or poor we are. We need to be concerned about each other. Uh, and we have to let go of this sense of me, 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 me. Uh, and, and see that, you know, everyone is, is, is important. And so when the bishops write this document, is that they make it clear, again, it's not to tell people what they have to do, but it's to help them to look at the whole political spectrum, you might say, and, and then using these foundational principles in order to make a good decision. So we, we look at this and saying, you know, why do we think we have a right to do this? Well, there's an important reason. We think that we, there is the why you may, why, why should we care? Why should we get involved? Um, is that... We do this because we believe 
We do this because we believe that we bring a terribly important pieces to the dialogue, to the discussion. We bring something of value to the table. That, the, because there are those that don't believe that we have any right to do anything, that, that somehow we're, we're trying to create, you know, a, a theocracy, you know, and a Catholic theocracy. Couldn't be anything farther from the truth. Is that what we're trying to do is to bring some very important pieces foundational pieces, we would say, again, value of human life, the dignity of all people, how we need each other. Pope Francis has spoke of, of all of these different issues, that we bring this to the table, to a table sometimes where the only thing that's important is how much money we're going to make. The only thing important is how much power we're going to have. I learned a bit of this when I was uh, working in, in, my co in the college program, and we had a building on 22nd in Wisconsin. And there was a group that formed called Avenues West, and it was how do we develop this whole western end of Wisconsin Avenue in Milwaukee. And at the time that I was there, we knew of at least 25 to 30 drug houses that were in our neighborhood. Um, prostitution was rampant. Um, we, we lived right next door to Jeffrey Dahmer. Um, so awesome. it was a pretty tough neighborhood. What I found interesting is that when they started to say, where do we find a place to gather and meet the representatives from the whole area, is that the building that, that I was in provided a large conference room. And so we decided we were going to meet there. It was kind of, it was neutral territory. Interesting. The church's college seminary building was <laughs> neutral territory, which to me was a real compliment. It had a, a big space where we could gather around tables. It had good coffee. Um, important. It, it, very important. And so they met there regularly. And, and it was a different role for me because I found myself as part of this group, the role of speaking the gospel. I and a, a couple of other ministers who were part of this. And it was a, it was a different role in the way of in in that circumstance, but we because they talked about the economic boon, they talked about, you know, the 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 the, the security issues, they talked about, you know, the rampant uh, prostitution and 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 selling of people, they talked about, you know, all all sorts of things we would continue to bring in the gospel values. You can't just throw people out. It's not right. And, and so we bring something to the table. And, and so when, when we think about all of this, is that there is a good reason why we do what we do and the rightful place that we have in order to do it. When you think about who should participate with all of this, so that's, that's kind of the why. We bring a lot to the table. Um, who should participate? Well, really, everybody. I mean, the bishops are basically saying, this is not something just for bishops. This is not something just for the clergy. This is not something just for the religious. This is for everyone. This is for all faithful people. 18 and older. 18 and older, yes. <laughs> and younger, if you have ideas, offer those also. That's right. You know, that somehow, you know, you look at those people who are involved. Oftentimes their parents were involved. And, mm -hmm. and uh, I think about my own mom and dad. You know, mom and dad weren't involved politically in lots of ways, but they always voted. They always made sure 
to vote. And, and they instilled that mm-hmm. in, in us, where I know my siblings, you know, it is important to vote. And some are a little more involved in political issues than I am or, or others, but we always vote. We educate ourselves and we vote. Same so, with my parents. Yep. You know, I remember you, you, going with them. Yeah. And, and you, you think about that. It's, it's, so uh, what we do is that, you know, by, by being leaders in the community, we can help people to, again, shape and form that conscience. We can help to bring things, you know, to, uh, to the forefront. We can talk about, you know, the role. We encourage people in the role that they have. Uh, these are important things that at times people need to be reminded of. Uh, that it's important uh, to have people uh, take this very seriously and to recognize the difference that they can make. When we look at it, they also look at the, you know, from the vantage point, how does the chirp church, as opposed to chirp, <laughs> how does the church help us speak about political social questions? Again, well-formed conscience. Um, this is not a feeling that makes us, you know, uh, feel squishy inside. It's not about doing whatever we want. That's not a well-formed conscience. This is a voice, as the bishops would say, this is the voice of God speaking to the human heart. This is revealing truth, calling us to the good and avoiding evil. Um, that's, you know, when we think about this, is that that's one of the reasons why also It is inappropriate for any bishop or priest to tell how a person how they must vote. Because in a way, how dare they presume they know the voice of God in the person's heart? I mean, we're talking very seriously here. How dare anyone presume that they can speak for God when it comes to forming the conscience? And in fact, you know, a person, when they form that conscience, is that they must follow it. it. There's a moral obligation to follow it. And later on, a person might see that maybe for whatever reason, you know, they would have maybe done something else, new information, whatever. They still have an obligation to follow it because no one can tell them no one, what to do. No one can take the place of the voice of God. Um, and I wouldn't want to be anybody who has to face God <laughs> that presumed that they could speak on God's behalf, you know, that they knew exactly what God was thinking. So when we talk about then, well, then how do you form your conscience? Uh, there are, again, several elements. Um, there is a desire to embrace goodness and truth. <coughs> again, this is not about what can I get out of it. This is not about how much money it will make me. This is about a desire to embrace goodness and the truth. And to be willing to speak that truth. We form our conscience by examining the facts and the background. we got to do some homework. I'm always amazed that people say, well, I've already decided. I said, well, did you read any articles? Did you? Ah, no, no, no. You know, that's not important. I just went with whoever. Wow, that, that's pretty sad. I mean, that, to me, that's pretty sad. Uh, because to form a, a good conscience, one needs to really as I mentioned, do the homework. Mm-hmm. It also takes prayerful reflection. Forming conscience is dealing with God. That takes prayer. Whenever you deal with God, it takes prayer. And so 
when to, to form a conscience, you know, there, there is some work that has to be done. One also needs, in forming a conscience, one also needs the virtue of prudence. You know, it, it's, it's, and that's not a highfalutin word that, you know, doesn't have any, any meaning. It, it's that prudence enables us to discern our true, the true good in, in every circumstance. It helps us to choose the right means of achieving it. Is that it's not about just, you know, the, the first thing that comes to mind. It's patience. Patience. Watching. Listening. Waiting. Sorting through. It takes prudence, you know, if, if one is to have a well-formed conscience. Uh, it takes ask ourselves asking the question of how do we build a more just and peaceful world. How do we do that? What candidate do I believe will help me do that? To build a more just and peaceful world. A world that has a greater respect for life, all life beginning to end. Not just a part of it, from beginning to natural end. Um, so it's, it, it's, it's, that's what prudence helps us do. As a professor of mine, uh, Reverend John Toomey, he was a, a philosophy teacher, and he would say that it's not just about doing good and avoiding evil. He would add, it's doing and promoting the good and avoiding evil. It's not just about doing good. You have to promote the good. And, and so to have a good conscience, part of that is, is doing and promoting the good and avoiding evil. Opposing evil and, and, and doing nothing that somehow, uh, you know, that, that would promote evil as best as you can. There is no perfect candidate. Doesn't exist. But we can do what we can to help sort it out. What do these candidates stand for? What kinds of policies might they put into place? What do they have to work with? And then, again, making a choice. And a lot of the times, you know, one candidate has a bunch of the stuff that you're interested in or concerned about. So does the other on the, on a different, you know, going yes. down a different line of stuff you're concerned about. So you really have to educate yourself. You really do, because you look at any of the candidates that we have in front of us, and there are any number that we would say promote things that we would consider intrinsically evil. There is no good in, in it whatsoever. That's why I would say that, you know, when we think about the candidates that we have, if, if we based it only on that, we wouldn't vote. Now, there are those who would say, well, that's a legitimate approach. I would disagree with that because that will get us nowhere. And as opposed to saying, do I believe a particular candidate would somehow, you know, help to promote something very good against certain evils, but there's also a chance that the other thing that I don't agree with, that that could be changed too. And I have to look at what are the possibilities there. Mm -hmm. Because when we vote, we don't vote for an issue. We vote for an individual. Individuals can, minds can be changed. I believe in the hand of God. I believe that the power of the Spirit is there. People have gone through conversion experiences, you know, for time immemorial. You think about St. Paul. 
You know, he dragged people's butts off to prison because they believed in Jesus. And yet, because of a conversion experience, he was then the biggest promoter and, in fact, was martyred because he believed in Jesus. Why would I think that God has somehow stopped doing that today? So I, you know, to an issue, a cause, doesn't have a conscience, doesn't have a moral stand, has none of that. Human beings do. And so I must look at that then and ask myself, I agree with this person with this. I strongly disagree with this person with this. What is the probability that the people I'm considering, that one, I can promote this piece, but the possibility of these other things being changed? What is the greater evil of all of this? I have to answer that question for myself. Is that though this person may, you know, promote what I would say is an evil, let's say death penalty, that's an evil to me. That's an evil. And the document says that. It's an evil. Is that, but agrees with something else. It's it's not just simple all the time. It's not black and white. Yeah, and, and that's where I think we make a mistake, is that we want to approach these things as if they're simply black and white issues. When you start to sort through it, prudence, mm. and you start doing your homework, sorting it out and, and, and making, avoiding evil, doing and promoting the good, now you begin to see that maybe there's a bit of a different balance here. And I think that's something that, that, that helps us then when it comes to making some of those uh, moral choices. And with moral choices, when you start looking at all of this, um, you know, through a particular candidate, uh, I have to be able to look at this and, and saying, you know, what, what, do, what, where are they stand on some objectionable things? Um, you know, not to just advance my own cause. What is the greater good? Um, taking into account the person, uh, what they have to offer, and then, you know, in a way, making the best decision that I can. Um, not not easy to do, not easy to do at all. So when we start to look at the, you know some of the issues that are that are uh, you know that the church is looking at, you know about uh, it's uh, you might say the social teaching, the public social teachings of the church. Uh, again, looking at the principles of social teaching, is that you have the dignity, as I mentioned, of the human person. From very beginning to natural end, all people, no exceptions, no matter who they are. And that includes, you know, middle of life too. Yes, yes. Not just the ends. I think that sometimes, lifetime. you know, we we can't, you know, somehow we can't simply say, well, I promote, you know, uh, I promote, you know, the unborn. We'll let them kill them when they're in their thirties. It's it's the big picture, mm -hmm. and we have to look at that. Yes, life at its most vulnerable, vulnerable point is terribly important. All life is terribly important. And I know that people look at it through different lenses. Mm -hmm. And I can appreciate that. I hope they can appreciate the fact that people look at it through different lenses. You know, I have a feeling in some ways that a parent whose son or daughter is on death row that is a much more important issue than maybe than abortion right now. 
doesn't take anything away from abortion. It recognizes people are looking through these things through different lenses. And it's by able to look at these, by being able to look at these through different lenses, that we begin to see how important this value of human life is from beginning to end. That's one of the key things, you know, the dignity of human persons. The common good, as I mentioned before, the common good. That we are working for the, you know, not just for a few, not just for the wealthy, not just for the elite, but we are looking at being able to recognize, for example, the common good in the creation that we have. We don't have a right to do whatever we want to with the creation God has given us. We don't have a right to take whatever we can because we can. We don't have a right to do that. We don't have a right to enact laws and, and because we can enact them because we're people of power. We need to look at what is good for all of humanity. What is good for all of us? You know, again, when you look at the, um, the human rights of the dignity of work, the dignity of, of creation, the dignity for health care, those kinds of things, that, that these are all important pieces. They're pieces of a whole. Pieces of a whole. Solidarity. It's, it's, it's recognizing the intrinsic, you might say, social nature of who we are as human beings. We need each other. We simply need each other. Quarantine hasn't taught us that already. <laughs> yeah, really. You know, really. You know, is that uh, these, are, these are terribly important uh, aspects for us of what it means to be human beings. Um, so, you know, when you start looking at all of this, you begin to recognize that uh, to build the world that we believe is possible is not easy. And it's not just for that legislator or somebody should do something about it. That somebody is us. That somebody is us. You know, and, and it's being able to say not everybody is called to a public office. I get that. Everybody is called to making a difference to those who enter public office. Everybody is called to that. Uh, and we believe that in the United States, that again, how privileged we are in order to, to help each other to, uh, you know, to create that culture, society that respects life, that cares about each other, that has a common bond, that, and, and, and doing that by helping each other to form those consciences. Knowing, knowing that, excuse me, knowing that, uh, one particular issue or one particular thing doesn't, you know, we are not single issue people. We can't be. We can't afford to be. We need to be people that, again, do our homework and look in broad terms. And I believe that when the bishops do their, uh, do their task well, that's what they promote. They don't promote a particular, you know, political party or political agenda. What they do is they promote uh, the agenda that is rooted ultimately in the gospel, not in a, a particular uh, political party or particular uh, pack or whatever it might be, political mm -hmm. pack. Um, they help to create a body of people that, that recognize the value that they can bring and recognize how by bringing those values to the table and to the discussion even though we are told sometimes to get out, how by bringing that, 
it can make a difference in the world in which we live. This is an important time, and there is a lot for people to learn. I, I just strongly recommend, you know, sit down and talk with your pastor. Sit down and, you know, read what the diocese is putting out. There's a lot of good information that the diocese is putting out. Read what, what the bishops are saying, you know, with this with the forming uh, consciences for faithful citizenship. This has a lot to offer people. And then once you read it, sort through it. Prayerfully reflect and then vote. Please vote. A lot rides on it for the well-being of every single person, not only in our United States, I would say in the world. So a um, lot to offer here, and I hope... That helps people look at it. Yeah, and if you are questioning what's on the ballot besides the presidential voting, um, there's always other things on your ballot. We're in Wisconsin. If you go to myvote.wisconsin.gov, my guess is other states are very similar. You can type in your address. It'll tell you where to vote. It'll tell you what's on your ballot. It'll tell you that might be it. I don't know. but like for me, I have to vote in a new spot because the place that usually goes quarantined. Ah, okay. So sure. it's good to know that if you need to go somewhere else. Um, so check that out. I have to say, I'm one that always likes to look up each candidate and what's what their websites are and what sure. they say. So knowing what's on ahead of time, it makes me feel much better and and more confident when I go vote. So. And I think that's a good good term to use. It, it helps to form confidence that there are many folks just will say that, I don't know, I don't know. That's because you maybe don't know all the issues or maybe you haven't really you know, looked at the issues. By looking at the issues and, and really going to some of those websites, you, know, you mentioned the fact that the website of the actual candidate, and they all have them, mm. is that, you can get a good sense of where Mm -hmm. they stand on lots of different issues. Uh, The papers, uh, for those who read the paper, (laughs) um, always come out with, you know, a sample ballot. ballot, And they also have the interviews with the candidates and they list Mm -hmm. off a common, you know, a common uh, uh, set of questions. Um, And and it's it's amazing sometimes what, what you learn. But when you learn and as you learn, you grow in confidence that who you're voting for is the right person. Who you're voting for makes sense to you, to your prayer, to your values, to lots of different things. And it, and it may surprise you at times that you'll find yourself maybe voting for someone you didn't think you would. And if you've read the documents, read the articles, prayed about it, thought about it, you shouldn't ever feel bad about who you vote for. No, no. You did the best you could. Mm-hmm. And maybe next time you do something a little bit different. But the key is vote. It's terribly important that you vote. Yes, vote. All right, we're going to end it there for this week. We'll see you next time. <laughs>